Okay. Okay. First episode of 2021 of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Episode, uh, I think this is episode 183, but this is the first episode of the of the new year, 2021. We're going into 2021. And I think for going into the 2021, going into the year 2021, um, I think this is going to be a good one. I think this is going to be a good one. So, a lot to cover. We got NFL. This is a Saturday podcast, so you know how you you know how we give it up on a Saturday podcast. If you're a regular listener, shout out to all the first time listeners. Shout out to all the DSPs that you guys are listening from Spotify, I, um, Apple Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio, all those different DSPs that you guys are using to access and download this uh, stream this podcast. Thank you. Continue to do so. And like I said, Saturday episode, Saturday podcast, you know how we give it up. I give my top 10 teams, NFL teams, to be specific. Um, I got a little bit of everything. I got some NBA. Um, I got some college football. Obviously, big night in college football last night. So we're going to touch bases on that. Um, but let's get into it. Let's, let's not waste any time. Let's not, let's not waste any time. I hope everybody, you know, I know people make their New Year's list and, you know, New Year's resolutions and so forth. But let's start it off 2021 college football playoff, Ohio State versus Clemson. Um, unless, okay. So by the way, I picked Clemson to win. I did. Um, I, 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 I thought it was going to be a much closer game. <laughs> I thought Clemson was obviously the better team. And I think we've read, I, a lot of people include myself. We've read into this narrative wrong about Ohio state. And I say this about Ohio state, Ohio state, they, they were six and oh, and, People were making a big. They were they were making a big woo like a, a big argument whether or not Ohio State should have should have even made the playoff. But I thought, and I was a big, I was a big like support. I was in huge support of Ohio State making the playoff. Uh, they 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 were clearly one of the four best teams. They had won their conference. Yes, they only played six games, but that was not that was not on their own doing. Like though, like their opponents in the Big Ten had COVID outbreaks and canceled out on Ohio State, which led to Ohio State only playing up, you know, only playing five games up until the Big Ten championship game. So a lot of that stuff, a lot of Ohio State inconsistencies, a lot of the um, Ohio State not playing at its full potential. I mean, when you when you take off, like think about it. This is this was Ohio State's season. They got off to a late start. The Big Ten, I, I explained this, but the Big Ten, they got off to a late start. I don't know why. I thought the Big Ten should have gave they should have gave their schedule a little bit more lead way, but nevertheless, got off to a, a late start. Then Ohio State sometimes they would play one week and didn't have to wait another two weeks to even play or two, three weeks before they even play. So all of that played into Ohio state being inconsistent, inconsistent. Um, a, a lot of people having questions and question marks about this Ohio state roster, because quite frankly, not, a, it, it wasn't enough sample size, but then it's like, uh, well, in their two biggest games so far this year, um, excluding Clemson last night, you, you look at Indiana and you look at Northwestern, 
Justin Fields didn't play well in 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 both of those. He didn't play well in neither of those games. Um, Ohio State did win because ultimately they were, they were the better team, but we just haven't seen that dominating Ohio State performance until last night. <laughs> until last night, and you can you can argue whether or not they should have made it. I think I I I, I told you guys. When this was up in, you know, up in question, up in the air, I told you guys I thought Ohio State should make it. Because they were clearly, I mean, like, come on, let's be honest. They were clearly one of the four best teams in college football. I thought Ohio State should have made it. But then, okay, you don't think they should have made it. If you if you want if you're one of those people that, you know, that thought Ohio State didn't have enough resume or they didn't play enough games to make it or qualify for the playoff, okay, whatever. But it's all about when you get in, what do you do? How do you perform? And Ohio State performed. Simple as that. Ohio State performed. And going back off of my previous episode where I gave you guys my predictions, um, I figured that this would be a really, uh, uh, this would be a really, cl- uh, a really close in a good game. Um, a cla- I think I thought it was going to be a classic, and it somewhat was. But Ohio State just steamrolled Clemson. Ohio State took everything personal. Um, Ohio State, they, they you know that Jordan meme, uh, you know that last dance. I, I I know everybody have seen it. That last dance meme of Michael Jordan where he's sitting in the couch in the blue shirt and he's like, I took that per like no Ohio State took that personal. They took. They took Dabo's comments, Dabo's ranking of them. Um, I think Dabo ranked them 11th. They sure did not look like the 11th ranked team <laughs> last night. They looked like they were it. They were it, and they 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 proved that they belong. And Ohio, look at Ohio State. They came out with revengeance. Um, this was a really big game for Justin Fields. This was a really big game for Ryan Day. I mean, because you think about it, Ryan Day. Like, let's 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 peel back the layers of this, um, with this Ohio State football team. Ryan Day, he's taken over uh, a year ago, or a, a year and a half ago, he took over after Urban Meyer, and Ohio State right now is in the they're they're in the midst of one of the of one of the better runs in college football. As far as the recruitment of players and how just dominant they've been, like they're like over the last several years, they have just been heads and shoulders above the Big Ten, and they have gotten to the college football playoff and so forth, and you know all that good stuff. And now for Ryan Day, he he coming into the game, he was twenty two and one as the head coach. He was twenty two and one as a head coach at Ohio at Ohio State. And that one loss obviously came against Clemson last year. And the fact that he, I mean, Ryan Day, phenomenal play calling last night. Phenomenal play calling. I wonder, did Ohio State, as far as, like, offensively, off because I'm going to talk about the defense. The defense was the key. But offensively, Ohio State, did they save a lot of their stuff? Like, they got everybody involved like Ohio State their tight end unit the tight end position for Ohio State has been pretty much I don't know I, I, I has been non-existent <laughs> until last night 
They had they had those those that that tight end group had five catches last night, but two of those catches were touchdowns. They were touchdowns. Um, you, so you look at you you look you look at how they got the running running game involved. Trey Sermon, I mean, he has just come onto the scene. Um, and then you look at and Justin Fields and Chris Olave. That duo, you can tell, you can tell Justin Fields was missing Chris Olave versus Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. Comes out this comes out this week, comes out plays versus Clemson, and Chris Olave just broke the top. He took the top off of the defense. But the I think the main key of this game for me was the, the biggest take a point the, the biggest takeaway for me was Clemson's first Clemson's defense <clears throat> under you know under Brent Venable this defense they, they don't look like that it, the only time that this defense has looked like that under Brentable under Brent Brentable uh it, it, LSU last year I mean LSU and remember LSU just steamrolled Clemson LSU steamrolled Clemson. LSU steamrolled Clemson. But then you look at what Ohio State did last night. I mean, Clemson gave up 639 yards um, of, of offense. They gave up almost 400 yards of offense in the first half. It was just a complete wipeout. This was personal. This was a – this was – this is – Yeah. This is this is personal. This was they took the they took Ohio State took Clemson to school. Yeah. They 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 took them to school. And I must say, Ohio State in their defensive front, I talked about how Ohio State in their front seven and like how could they make this how could I mean, like possibly how can this be an upset? And the front seven, I said it. The front seven from this this year, I thought was a bit underrated. And I don't know, maybe because like last year they had Chase Young and Chase Young was just so exceptional at getting to the quarterback and just all of the things he can do with his physical gifts um, and how like just how good he was. It Like the front seven, it wasn't as eye popping as it was last year, but the front seven created and just rattled Trevor Lawrence. I mean, just straight up rattled Trevor Lawrence and was able to stop the Clemson running game from Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. They didn't, they, I mean, they just, they just, they completely took out Travis Etienne from the game and just rattled Trevor Lawrence. They didn't have the sack numbers. They, they, it wasn't a lot of sacks, but they got to, they got to Trevor Lawrence quite a bit and he was rattled. And then Justin Fields, I mean, oh my God, Justin Fields. Um, a guy that has taken a lot of crit, like a, a lot of heat, a lot of heat. Like we, I mean, the the whole argument of who would like who's uh, who's the guy, Lawrence Fields. Con- you know, Lawrence is the number one pick. You know, presumptively, num- Lawrence is going to be the number one pick. But then at the two spot, you had you you know you had different co- you had p- different people bringing up Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. And now Justin Fields comes onto the scenes like, hey, I'm still I'm still here. I'm still here. And Justin Fields, I, I mean, even with the thumb injury, then the rib injury, <laughs> um, 
he was just he was throwing darts. And when Ju- Justin Fields got into a zone, and that is the type of performance that that was needed to be, to win a game like this. And that's going to be the type of performance that's going to be needed to beat Alabama. The, that type of just transcendent performance that yeah, I mean that was a great performance by him. I mean absolutely f- just fabulous. He had six touchdowns. He had three he had 385 yards. He on, he had six touchdowns with only six incompletions. Just that just shows you just phenomenal. Just it just shows you how on point he was. He was on point in coming out of, you know, start looking at the game at the beginning. Clemson marched down the field very easily. Trevor Lawrence marched down the, down the field very easily. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. But then the second quarter, Ohio hit, Ohio State just hit a flip. They just hit a switch and it was over by that. But 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 it looked you you know maybe Clemson could have made a push in the third quarter. Um, they tried to for a second, but then Olave, you know, once again Olave took the top off Clemson's defense, and it, it was I mean it was just a complete stomping by Ohio State. But this was a this was a big game for Ohio State as a program, um, and like Ohio State, they, <laughs> I don't know why people. I gave I now let me say this. Let me clear the air. I gave Ohio State a chance to win this game. I thought I mean clearly they were talented enough. They were clearly talented enough to win this game. Um I thought they were deserving to make the playoff. Um now did I have them winning this game? No, I did not. And did I have them winning this game in this manner? It, I think people are surprised that Ohio State won this game in this type of fashion. Like, this this was a just a beatdown. This was a beatdown. And we just didn't see it coming. I mean, because I mean, quite frankly, what was what was there to incite you? Like, hey, Ohio State, they're gonna just wipe Clemson off of the field. Nothing that we saw from the previous six games had said that. Now, obviously, it's Ohio State, and they're talented enough, but I, we just didn't see it until now. And they, I, I guess they saved their best performance for the biggest game of the year so far. And then, you know, they have to play Alabama in the national, te- in the national championship game. But you could tell. <clears throat> Usually, Ohio State, Ohio State, the football program. Now, their fans – you know, they got the whole Ohio versus the world and that, that, you know, they got that whole, you know, thing going on. But Ohio State, the program, the football team, they usually don't have too many, like, dis- like they don't really have, they're not really carrying, like, the disrespect card. But last year, how, like, I, and I also said this. I said, hey, if you ask Ohio State about last year, They'll tell you they should have won that game, and they should have. They should have won last year, but they didn't. Agony defeat, and they came back next. This they came back this year, and and um they were you you could, you could tell they took it personal as they should, as they should. This is why we love college sports. This is why we love sports because uh, like just the storylines and the you know this just all of the headlines and the narr- and the narratives building up to the game. 
Like, this is why we love sports. This is why we watch sports. Because, like, Ohio State just took it personal. And I know guys from last year on from last year's team, like um, Chase Young and J.K. Dobbins, I know they were thrilled that Ohio State got the win last night. I know they were thrilled because, like, they were a part of that, but they couldn't obviously, you know, they, they went to the NFL, <laughs> all, you know, no, 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 no harsh beans by that behind that. But you could tell Ohio State wanted this one. Ohio State wanted this one. And just how ironic. Sean Wade, he got ejected for a hit last year on Trevor Lawrence. And James Skowski, he got ejected last night for a hit on Justin Fields. And Skowski, that and mind you, Skowski. The Clemson linebacker, that was the same place. That was the same building where he got ejected last year for uh, for a hit. On, I think on Joe Burrow or uh, like he got ejected on a, on, on a hit just like that in that same building. So um, how ironic. A lot of a lot of parallels in this game. But this game was um it 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 it, it, it was a superb outing. From the Ohio State's defense, a superb outing. Just a flat-out superb outing for the Ohio State defense. Congratulations to Ohio State. They deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. And Alabama, you know, it, it handled this business versus Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, Alabama, you know, that was no surprise. Alabama won 31-14. to 14. No surprise. That, no surprise there that they handled their business versus Notre Dame. But – um, before I move on to the NBA, I must say, I look at a team, I look at, I, I look at this national championship between Alabama and Ohio state. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it more as we get closer to it. But my keys to that game, or one thing that I'm really interested to see is the line play, the, the, the play in the trenches between the big boys. And I want to see Ohio State's defensive front versus Alabama's offensive line because Ohio State front four, that that whole defensive line unit, that was one of the keys to them winning versus Clemson last night. So I do want to see – I want to see how that, how that battle plays out and how that battle – I want to see how – I want to see how it goes. I re- I'm really interested to see how it goes. Um, because that could be a big, that can be that can be another key why Ohio State could possibly pull off an upset versus Alabama. Now let's move on to the NBA. So I saw this report a couple days ago. NBA ratings are back up, and if you're not a regular listener, I have. If you're not a regular listener of the IKP, first I hope you become one. But let me catch you up to speed. I have been talking about NBA ratings, declining NBA ratings for the last, for for a year now. I have. Because they've been declining for the last couple years. But now they're back up. And one of the main reasons, first, I must say, there's multiple reasons why NBA ratings were down from a couple years, you know, for the last few years. There's, There's multiple reasons why they were down for the last few years. But I think one of the main reasons why they were down is because usually in a usual year, 
the NBA in normal like circumstances, the NBA it, it starts its season in in mid to late October. And I know you guys are probably wondering, okay, why does that matter so much? It matters so much because during mid to late October, we're in the midst of the NFL season. We're in the midst of the college football season. And Major League Baseball is they're even having their postseason or the World Series. And the in the, in the NBA finds themselves no October all the way up to November going into December always competing and getting the short end of the stick as far as ratings. But ratings are back up. Ratings are back up. And I don't want to I don't want to th- I'm not going to say this is the sole reason why ratings are back up. But I think the December start to the NBA season this year now, obviously, it's due to, you know, COVID and, you know, a pandemic. But due to the December start this year, I think it's I think it's a big reason why ratings up because you don't have to compete with the NFL for much longer. You don't have to compete with college football for much longer. There's no baseball. So you so there's the level of competition and they don't the NBA they, first they don't have to compete like the NFL season we're getting closer to the playoffs you know you, you know college football is always it's almost ending so you don't you don't, you're not trying to compete for different viewers and different eyes people going to tune in a regular Wednesday night people going to tune in and turn on an NBA game a regular Tuesday night, people going to turn on an NBA game. But we do also have a problem in the NBA. Yes, ratings are up. But we're starting to see a trend of blowouts. Now, I don't think this problem is going to be long-lasting. This problem is only momentarily, I think, in my opinion. In my opinion, I think it's only momentarily. But nevertheless, it is a problem. And like I said, blowouts. Now, I love the NBA. I love watching basketball. I love it. But I refuse, I refuse to watch a 25, 30, 35, 40, 50 point blowout. I refuse to watch it. I refuse to watch it. Now, luckily, when the Clippers were getting blown out by 50, it was on a Sunday and NFL games won. But I think this past week, the Miami Heat got blown out by 50. I absolutely turned the channel. I refuse to watch it. I I refuse to watch it. Hey, this this is a stat that I found interesting. Up until this point, 25% 25% of NBA of NBA games this year have been decided by 20 points or more. That is a phenomenal stat. That is an intriguing stat. 25% of NBA games have been decided by 20 or more points. That is a that is a very interesting insightful 
intriguing site uh, stat. Excuse me. That 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 is that is that is that is an impressive or well, not impressive, but an intriguing stat. And it, and it and it shows a lot. It tells a lot. It's the tale of the tape. I I, I mean, I know. And I think, and you're probably asking, so why are there so many blowouts? Now, first, once again, this is not a one-answer question. I think there's multiple reasons why we see so many blowouts. I think one of the reasons why we see so many blowouts is the play style of today's game. If you're, it's 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 turned into, if you can shoot threes, you're gonna win games. If you cannot shoot the three-point shot or if you're missing three-point shots and the other team gets hot from three, like IE, the Bucks from from last like the Bucks set an NBA record with 30 they, I think they made 31 three-point three-pointers, 31 three-pointers. So if Miami isn't make if the Heat aren't making the same amount of threes at the same exact rate that the Bucks are, they're gonna get blown out. They're gonna get ran off the court every single time. So the play style, to today's play style, it 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 um <laughs> it heightens, it improves, it increases the rate of blowouts. I I think the play style does play into that, but also. Players were players are very sluggish. Um, I think the quick turnaround has caught some players off guard. The shortened training camp, the shortened preseason. You know, some players aren't. You know, just let's let's just be honest. Let's call a spade. Let's call a spade a spade. Some players are not in the best shape. Some players haven't had the correct time and the proper time to get back in. You know, in, in like in tip top shape. So, you know, the NBA had a quick turnaround and, and uh, you know, the NBA, you, they didn't want to miss out on the NBA. They didn't want to miss out on the Christmas Day games or those Christmas, that Christmas Day money. Because if the NBA, if the NBA didn't return and they missed out on Christmas, they would have missed out on $500 million. So the NBA, it was it was urging the players that we got to get back. We got to get back. We got to get back so they can get that NBA Christmas Day money. Or they would have missed out on a half a billion dollars. So I think there's multiple reasons why, you know, play, you know players joined new teams. Rookies, you know, got drafted. That was a very quick turnaround. So you're, you know, you know you, you're seeing players trying to connect trying to, you know, grow some chemistry, trying to gain some chemistry with each other. And like, and this is why I think it's going to be momentarily. Now, the play style, you can't change. Like, that's just today's play style. But I think as far as players being sluggish, players being sluggish and not, you know, not fully in shape, Um, some guys getting hurt like John Morant, he got hurt up and you know he took a he had a a bad ankle twist a bad ankle sprain the other night versus Brooklyn so you're seeing you're you know you're seeing guys trying to get find the groove or getting hurt not in the best shape <laughs> so i think there's multiple reasons why there's so many 
blowouts. But this is this, but this first, but I don't know how you guys feel, but just me personally, it, it really takes a hit with the entertainment value. The entertainment value is down, and it's you know, the I can't I can't stand the blowouts. And Chris, but I must say, Christmas Day ratings were down. That was a prime example. Christmas, uh, there was there were a lot of both. There were there were a lot of blowouts on Christmas Day. Like I, Golden State got boat raced. Um, <laughs> Golden State got boat boat raced to start off the season both times. I mean, versus Brooklyn, and then they played Milwaukee. They got boat raced in both of those games. So, I think it, it's only momentary, but it is a problem, and it's a it's a it's a glaring problem. Right now, as we sit, because 25% of the games are essentially blowouts. That's that's a that's a large portion. That that's that's a large portion. So every four, so for every four games that's being played, one of those games are going to be a blowout. Like that's a that's 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 a that's a big time ratio. But let's move on. I'm gonna move on to my uh, top 10 NFL teams going into the last week of the NFL season. Okay, so once again, I have my top 10 teams of the week. Top 10, te- top 10 teams going into the last week of the regular season. I got a pretty interesting list. Change it up a little bit. Uh, let's start at the top at number 10. So at 10... I got the Chicago Bears. Um, they they they've been ex- offensively. They I I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have been explosive. Mitch Trubisky has turned the page. I don't know. Um, I have them at ten. They look like they they look like a really good football team. Obviously, their defense has been you know pretty good for the last couple years. Last few years defensively, that has not been the problem. Offensively has been the problem. They have turned it around. Uh, Montgomery, David Montgomery is back healthy. He's running the football well. Uh, Allen Robinson is one of the is one of the more underrated, not talked about receivers in the league. And once again, Mitch Trubisky, uh, um, under these circumstances, he's playing really well. I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's playing really well. I wouldn't get too high on Chicago, but um, last few weeks they've been doing just enough. So I have them at 10 right now. At 9, I have the Cleveland Browns. Now, I have the Cleveland Browns at 9. I do think they will win this weekend. Pittsburgh, I mean, what like let's now let's just imagine. Let's let's have some fun. What look like this would be this would be such a funny storyline if Mason Rudolph just completely killed the Browns playoff chances by beating them. Now, I don't think that will happen, but it's it's possible. And with the Browns, I had them at 9. First, they had a they, I, I I'm not going to I'm not going to hold them against the Jets. I'm not going to hold now. That was a bad loss. That that I'm I'm going to keep them on the list, but that was a horrible loss to the Jets. Um Kevin Stefanski, I wasn't I I didn't typically like his play calling. He had Baker throw the ball 53 times with no receivers. Um, and he has the he has the best running back tandem in the in the NFL. 
I was very surprised that he didn't run the ball more. He opted to throw the ball 53 times. So um, I, I have the Browns at nine. I do think they'll win this weekend, but the Browns, they 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 regress, and I never they never sold me on, you know, being the number one contender to beat the Chiefs. They never had me sold. Browns at nine. At eight, I have the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins at eight. Brian Flores has done an absolute great job with this with this roster. Um, sneak peek, he's my coach of the year. I'm gonna also do my awards. He's my he's my coach of the year. Um, this defense has been phenomenal. Xavier Howard is also a defensive player of the year candidate for me. Um, now the quarterback thing, they gotta figure out, and I'm gonna talk about that very soon. But they gotta figure out the quarterback situation. No Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is a must-win game versus Buffalo. Buffalo is pretty good. <laughs> but ultimately, Dolphins at eight. At seven, I'm gonna go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they they've been a little bit more consistent, uh, you know, in the latter part of the year, but I'm not so so quite yet as far as when we're talking about playoffs and meaningful games. Versus some really good teams. I'm not so sold yet, but they are trending in the right direction. Um, I, they, they are. They, they're trending in the right direction. Their defense is playing a little bit more better. Now, I mean, they played Detroit, so that's I can't really judge them, you know, much off of that. So that's that's why I have them at seven. At six, I have the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens coming into this AFC playoffs. First, I do think they will make the cut for the playoffs. But looking at what they can do and what kind of danger they can present in the playoffs, they may be the most dangerous team in the AFC as far as you know, as far as winning a couple playoff games. Can they win a playoff game or two? Yes, they can. There's not a lot. Remember. There's not a lot of pressure on Lamar and the Ravens. A lot of pressure, you know, a lot of eyes going to be focused on Josh Allen. A lot of eyes going to be focused on the Steelers. A lot of eyes obviously going to be focused on the Chiefs. So there's not much pressure riding into this with the Ravens that may allow them to, you know, flaunt their stuff, play their regular style, and win a playoff game. They're gonna, I think they, they they're gonna be very dangerous because they're peaking at the right time. At number five, I have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Seattle defense once again, defensively, they have picked it up. They're playing some good, they're they're playing some good football defensively. Now they have played some struggling offenses. They've played some questionable quarterbacks over the last few weeks. But hey, they're playing who's on the schedule. But Seattle, um, if they, the thing with Seattle, they just got to stay healthy, stay healthy, keep those running back health, keep those running backs healthy. Seattle could be one of those teams that could make a dangerous playoff run. Seattle at number five. At number four, I have the New Orleans Saints. I'm gonna go with the Saints at number four. Um, they can't really beat you over the top. They don't. They 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 have they have a really good roster. Do I think this is the best team in the NFC? No. But could they get to the Super Bowl? Yes. Um, but it's going to be a difficult role for them trying to go up to Lambeau. Or if they have to go up to Lambeau, that's going to be very difficult. But I think they're good enough to be at number four. 
At number three, I have the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers are the NFC favorites. I think if um I, I think right now, you know, now I must say they did have a a, a, a huge impactful injury to David Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari is going to be out for the remainder of the season, a torn ACL. So that is going to be really impactful. That's a huge injury. But Aaron Rodgers, um, if you look at his numbers without Bakhtiari, uh, he's been pretty solid. He's Aaron Rodgers. But um, that is a huge loss. I don't want to minimize that David Bakhtiari loss. He's one of the better left tackles, if not one of the best, if not the best left tackle in football. So that's going to be a huge, significant loss. But I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to roll with the Packers as the NFC favorite and at number three on my list. At number two, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are the hottest team in football right now. Um, I was very close to putting them at number one for this week. I'm going to stick with them at number two. Um, they won their division in the first time in forever. They went into Foxborough and just utterly just embarrassed Bill Belichick and Cam Newton and that Patriots team. Um, Brian, I mean, they, oh my God, their offense coordinator, Brian Dayball. They, I mean, Dayball can call a game. He is so creative. Josh Allen is in the MVP discussion. He's not the MVP, but he is in the discussion. Stefan Diggs was, I'm going to say it, Stefan Diggs was the best offseason acquisition this year. They got him via trade. He's made Josh Allen better. He's made um, the Bills better. He's made the Bills offense offense more explosive, and he's had an all-pro type of year. So I'm going to go with the Bills at two. Also, their defense is playing well and stepping up. Um, at number one, I'm going to go with Kansas City. Now, I do have some red flags. Um, <clears throat> they played Atlanta pretty close, and quite frankly, I mean, that was a game that Atlanta let slip. That's no, that's not breaking news for Atlanta fans, though. Um, but they did. Atlanta let that game slip. Kansas City. I'm a, I'm gonna keep them. I'm gonna keep them at number one because I have that much faith in them. I think they'll turn it around. It's one of those Golden State Warrior things, trying to stay focused. You know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I, I but I hope they. I hope they come out to play in the postseason. <clears throat> so th- those are my top ten teams. Of um, those are my top ten teams going into the last week, week seventeen of the NFL season, and boy, oh boy, um, like you know, I I talked about this being the first episode of twenty twenty one, but looking back at you know the year, it's a tough year in sports, of uh, you know in twenty twenty, uh, with the pandemic and and so forth. But I've often joke, <laughs> and, and and I say this jokingly, but the NBA, like I mean the NBA. The, the sports commissioners and like the commissioners in all of these respective sports, the commissioners, the presidents, the CEOs, like they have all respectively done a really good job with managing COVID-19 in their respective sports. Um, the NBA did a great job with a bu- with the bubble, the MLB season. It was rocky for a little bit, but it ended okay until Justin Turner, <laughs> that little incident right there. Hockey was, you know, did fine. Women's basketball, all those, all of those leagues. The NFL, um, college football was rocky and questionable, but 
they did it. You know, so shout out to the, 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 the commissioners throughout all the sports, throughout all the leagues, the presidents, um, UFC and Dana White. He's been doing a hell of a job. He I mean, he was I mean, UFC always first to crack the code. So shouts out to them. Shouts out to all of the all of the commissioners of these respective leagues. Um, but yeah, they did. They, they have done a great job. But I've often joked these commissioners have done a better job of handling COVID-19 than some governors. <laughs> That's just the fact of the matter. They just have. And I say that jokingly, but they have. Um, they, they've really done a good job. So, shouts out to them. Um, <clears throat> and I've talked about this already. I don't want to make it. I don't want to. I don't want to hold this. I don't want to make this a little bit too long. But... <clears throat> Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins in this quarterback situation with Tua. Now, I'm going to make this quick point. So, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's out due to COVID-19. So, Tua Tungvaluwa, he's going to be the starter. But in two instances this year, since Tua has taken over the helm of the starting quarterback job of the Miami Dolphins, he's been benched twice. And quite frankly, he's looked average. Now, let me let me let me set up the table. We've been looking for the last couple years, we have seen, we have witnessed young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks thrown into the fire, thrown into the wolves den and they have looked really good. Um in like for instance this year Joe Burrow obviously he had the he had the terrible knee injury but he was playing really well. You 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 can see Joe Burrow has what it takes. Justin Herbert, he's been breaking records. He's been um trying to uplift this Chargers roster and his team uh quite frankly the coaching just isn't sufficient enough but justin herbert has looked good despite all of that he's looked good and and there's just so many examples of young quarterbacks thriving and playing well in their rookie year and we're seeing somewhat some elite traits especially from herbert herbert has some really elite traits but with Tua, he's looked average. He's looked average in a lot of places. Let's just call it like it is. I'm a big Tua guy. I was I was very huge on Tua, but he's looked very average in a lot of spots of his game. He's I, get this. He's only averaging 160 passing yards per game. 160 passing yards per game. And you look at this Miami roster. Brian Flores has this Miami team at 10 and 5. Very Belichickian, right? Very, like, the way how he's built this roster, the way how they play, the way how they're coached, very Belichickian. Really good offensive, um, really good defensively, really good on the special teams. Offense, you know, they, they're trying to find, they're trying to see if two is the guy. Now, the Dolphins won't have their 10 and 5. So their own, they're, like, their own, their pick, won't be like a top 10 pick. But the Dolphins have the Texans pick. And that that pick is going to be really high. That means the Dolphins have an opportunity to, to 
draft another quarterback to see if they're the guy. Now, why would the Dolphins do this? Talk the, once again, Tua Tungavaloa has been average. And you look at all these other quarterbacks, these other young quarterbacks that's flourishing around the league, they have shown elite traits, like Herbert, Josh Allen. These guys have shown elite traits. And I don't think it's nuts. I don't think it's crazy to think that the Dolphins could draft another quarterback. It's very unconventional. It is. It's very unconventional. But the Dolphins and Brian Flores and the way how they have built this team and the way how they have gone about with Tua and the way and like the whole process, the whole the whole situation of starting Tua when the Dolphins were on a win streak, that has been unconventional. So it is not crazy to think that the Dolphins wouldn't pull the unconventional move and draft another quarterback seeking, trying to seek that elite quarterback talent that would really take this team to the next level. It's it's not unconventional to think about that. Flores and the Dolphins in their approach has been very much unconventional in in, in its work so far. I'm going to give you guys my awards, predictions, For this NFL season, a lot of players have been playing great, so this should be really interesting. I'll be back. Okay, so we're back, we're back, we're back. So I'm going to give you guys my awards, predictions. Um, This was really difficult, to be honest. (laughs) This was really difficult. I think this is more difficult than the NBA one. Um, I don't know. It it was just it's just difficult. A lot of guys had great years in some in you know in their respectable respectable positions. So for MVP, I'm gonna go Aaron Rodgers. I told you guys this on the previous episode. He if I had a vote, I would vote for Aaron Rodgers. Um just look at this. I mean, he leads the league in touchdowns and passer rating. He has the fewest interceptions, and get this. Excuse me. He's missed Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones for three games each. They each missed three games, and he still have put up these numbers. Um, so, I mean, you, you look at what he has to work with. What he's he's doing more with less. He's he's doing more with less, and he has better numbers than Patrick Mahomes. Um, I feel like Mahomes. This was his award to lose. This was Aaron Rodgers' award award to lose. I feel like um, he didn't really have any stinkers these last few weeks. Mahomes hasn't had a stinker, but that Miami game he had several turnovers. He didn't he didn't particularly play well versus Atlanta. Aaron Rodgers has been exceptional over the last month. Um, over the last month he's just been exceptional. Devontae Adams has been a monster. So, and that's the best, that is the best wide, that's the best quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver duo in the league. Excuse me. <laughs> getting tongue tired. I'm getting tongue tired. Uh, but that's the best wide receiver or quarterback wide receiver duo in the league. Um, so Aaron Rodgers is my MVP. Um, for offensive player of the year, I'm gonna go a little bit of unconventional. This is more of an out there pick, but I'm gonna go Travis Kelsey. 
I, I'm a huge I'm a huge Travis Kelsey fan. He but he's had the numbers to back it up this year. The most receiving yards by a tight end in one single season. Um, and he has five straight one thousand yard seasons. That's also a tight end record. No other tight end has done that. He, you know, Travis Kelsey. He's really he's he's unguardable at this at this point. But he's not only have he's not only the best tight end in football right now. He's one of the better tight ends of all time. He's one of the greater tight ends of all time. He is that good vertical threat. Um, not 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 he's not a gr- exceptional run blocker, but he's good enough. But what he can do with the football and the in the different matchups, not that different matchup problems that he causes is just phenomenal. Um, and he's just and he's not just doing this with Patrick Mahomes. He's did this with Alex Smith. So like he's not just he's he's a good tight end. He, he's just naturally a good tight end. So you know, with that with that being said, I'm gonna have him as my offensive player of the year. I'm gonna go Travis Kelsey. Now, defensive player of the year was really difficult for me because I thought about T.J. Watt in the year that he's having. He's having a great year. I think he leads the league in sacks. Um, Xavier Howard is having a phenomenal year. Um, so is Jalen Ramsey. Xavier Howard has nine interceptions. Uh, he's and he's been he's just been a really. I mean, Miami they play a lot of man to man. So Xavier Howard most times is lined up against the opposing, the opposing's, the opposing, the opposing team's best receiver, and he does a he does a damn good job. He's just not a pickoff artist. He's a good coverage guy, but oh man. I I know this sounds cliche, but I'm gonna go with Aaron Donald. He he, you get this? Aaron Donald leads the league in in pressure and QB pressures, and it's like he's an interior lineman, and he leads the league in quarterback pressures, an interior lineman, and it's, and he leads the league by a good margin. He leads the league by a good margin. I'm gonna go with Aaron Donald. I was really close to picking Xavier Howard. Um, this would be this would be back to back years if Xavier Howard was to win. This would be back to back years that a defensive back won Defensive Player of the Year which is rare. You don't see it a lot, but Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, they're having two good years. Also, along with TJ Watt, this was really difficult, but I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is just, he's just been on a different level. Um, And you can make the argument he's the best football player in the league. You can make the argument he's just the best player in the league. You can make that argument very well. Um, For my coach of the year, I'm going to go Brian Flores, I'm gonna go Brian Flores for my coach of the year. Get this, Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. They are ten and five versus the spread. So with that's with that with that's you know that that's a good measurement and that's showing me that they are exceeding in they're they're exceeding expectations. They're, they're they're exceeding expectations, and like I said, it, it, like, like I said, explaining my top ten list, they are over. Like Brian Flores, he this is very Belichickian. The way how he has built this Dolphins roster and revamp, revamped and rebuilt this Dolphins roster, it's very 
Belichickian. Um, I see a lot of Belichick traits. This this very well may be one of Bella. This this might be Belichick's best successor as far as a coach. So I'm gonna have Brian Flores as my coach of the year. He has the Dolphins at ten wins. Even you know, so it, even if they don't make the playoffs, they had ten wins and finished second in the AFC East. So I I, I give him my coach of the year, Brian Flores. Um, my offensive rookie of the year. I'm usually a quarterback friendly type of guy, but I'm gonna go Justin Jefferson. Get this, according you know, this is this is pro football focus. Justin Jefferson is the only rookie with a hundred plus snaps in a pro football focus grade of 90 of 90 plus. So he's been really, really dominant. Also, Justin Jefferson is the first rookie wide receiver with with at least 1,200 yards and seven receiving touch receiving touchdowns since Odell Beckham. Remember, Odell Beckham won Offensive Rookie of the Year, his rookie year, because he had such a great year. So Justin Jefferson, I think, will follow in line, and he will win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Also, also, he's really close to you know tying or breaking Anquan Bowden's all-time receiving record for a rookie. So I have Justin Jefferson as my rookie, as my offensive rookie of the year. And for my defensive rookie of the year, I'm going to go Chase Young. Um, the impact, it's not so much of the numbers. It's the impact that he has on this Washington football team. He's already exemplified good leadership skills, but also the imp like guys have to double Chase Young. Teams are already doubling Chase Young. Offensive coordinators are already adjusting their schemes and trying to play around Chase Young because that's how dominant and that's how impactful he's been. And then that allows guys like Montez Sweat and uh, um, J Allen, those that, that allow guys, other guys, to get stats and get sacks and tackles because – a lot of the offensive or offensive line attention goes to Chase Young. Montez Sweat has had a breakout year. Uh, Deron Payne has had a breakout year. So you're seeing the impact that he's having already, even in his rookie season. So I'm going to go with Chase Young for defensive player of the year. And then for my comeback player of the year, I'm going to go Alex Smith. I'm going to go Alex Smith. He's overcome 17 surgeries. 17 surgeries could have possibly died, could have died. And, you know, he, I mean, so, you know, playing football was the least of his concerns. He was worrying about his life. So that was a big, that's a big comeback story. One of the better comeback stories, if not probably the best comeback story I've seen in recent history. Um, So shouts out to Alex Smith. I think, I do think he deserves comeback player of the year. And he's been pretty impactful for this Washington team. The numbers haven't been like otherworldly, but he, you can see his impact on the Washington football team and so forth. So that is going to wrap it up. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer on this Saturday. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Hope you guys hope you guys enjoy this episode. It only gets better and better. The only place we can go is up. Thank you guys. We've had a terrific 2020. Um, you know, this podcast has really grown. So I just think and it couldn't have been it couldn't have been done without you guys. It couldn't have been possible without you guys. 
spreading the word continually continuous continuously continuously coming back to this platform coming back to hear me talk <laughs> um so thank you guys for continuing to grow my platform grow my podcast um it's really been good it's really a blessing i really appreciate it thank you guys i hope you guys enjoy this episode always remember two choices one decision i'm out we'll be back on wednesday Peace, deuces, catch y'all.